0: Our executive director of the Free Church of Canada, after the uh, sentence or verdict was given, when uh, Trinity Western University lost its court case because they wanted to have uh, wanted to have graduates that could go through the law study and be lawyers throughout Canada. Well, throughout the whole dramatic event, it went to the highest court of Canada, and finally they lost their appeal. And uh, therefore, uh, what has happened is they have this covenant that they have to sign when you become a student of Trinity Western University. No longer there, but nonetheless, they used to have it. And part of it was also saying that they would do all sorts of things, including that when it came to their sexuality, they would stay away from sexuality unless they were part of a heterosexual marriage union. Okay? And um, I guess people didn't like that. Even they figured that if you had to sign something like that, you couldn't be a good lawyer. Nonetheless, uh, whatever your thoughts are on that, our executive director, he just says, well, good, finally it's over, and now we actually have something to celebrate. And we're all kind of looking at the guy, and part of it is this, he says, because Canada has been bumbling along, thinking perhaps that we're a Christian nation, when we are not. So now, if you want to be a Christian, there is a line in the sand. And there's times that we will be set aside. There's times we'll be looked at, an eyebrow raised. And there's also a time of persecution when you actually stand up for what you think is right because you've spent time in the Holy Scriptures and what the Lord has been speaking to you. So the times are changing, my friends. And you never know how intense they will get here in Canada. But it's really important that we really realize this. I've... um, entitled this uh sermon i gotta say it i think it's extravagant love in a stingy world extravagant love in a stingy world but i'm gonna say and admit it right off the bat that sometimes christians have been really stingy when it comes to money when it comes to helping and when it comes to love because if you want to get loved by me you better love me first Sometimes you really don't know who you are or what you're about until there's pushback. Sometimes we don't know who we are as Christians until all of a sudden the laws of our countries just say no, even though you're a private university, no. This week, there's a sad but inspiring example of how this was highlighted in the news about you don't really know who you are or what you're made up of until there's pushback. A high school student who helped tackle an accused gunman at Colorado High School this week said his feeling of absolute and complete fear evaporated as he watched his friend, Kendrick Castillo, uh, charge forward without hesitation. Along with Castillo and one other student, Brendan Brendan Bailey, an 18-year-old student at the STEM school in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, was able to disarm one of the alleged shooters and pin him to the ground. Costello, 18, was killed as as he charged at the accused gunman and threw him up against the wall. Brendan, a student at STEM, uh, describes how he tackled a gunman who was firing on his classmates at the school. There was no questioning, he said. There was no hesitation, there was no looking around, Bailey said of Costello as he spoke to the reporters at a news conference. It's really hard to stop that kid when he gets going, Bailey says, likening Costello to a human bowling ball as he rushed to overpower the suspect. The gunman was against the wall and I don't know what the heck hit him. John Costello, Kendrick uh, Costello's father, called his son's death devastating as you can imagine. When I see the people that he saved and made me happy, John said, the dad said, I knew my son wouldn't have it any other way. But as any parent would tell you, it's a heck of a trade-off. The only injury that Bailey received in the scuffle was scrapes on his knees. I was blessed by something, he said. Somebody's watching down on me. Something, somebody, I don't know. Even though I was inches away, I didn't get shot. Amazing example of what these kids are made of when they responded under pressure. And this Costello kid, even as you look at his, his picture in the paper, you go, what? There's nothing about him that you would say, like, that screams that he's Mr. Popular or whatever, but when the gunman came onto the school premises, this guy, without hesitation, charged. And his life was given. What are we made of when life gets hard? How do we respond when tough things are thrown our way? How are we going to react when people don't like us anymore, when people are downright rude? How do we respond? How about you? Steve Camp wrote this fantastic song years back. He says, what are you going to do when the world tries to squeeze you into its mold? What will be your response? Do you turn over like a puppy and let the world scratch your belly? Are you just quiet and hope it all works out for the better? Do you give into the kingdom of this world's ideas? Do you understand that we get to live out the ideals and principles of the kingdom of heaven here on earth? So before we jump into scripture, we better pray about this one. Father, we're thankful for your scripture and we're thankful for even this uh, really heady but yet very practical portion of scripture, what we call the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Lord, there's stuff in here that we go, this can't be. Because we actually grew up in North America or or we're here now and what we love to tout as North Americans and Canadians is our individual rights. We have rights. We have boundaries. Don't mess with mine. I won't mess with yours tolerance is the big word of the day and yet it seems as though even the world likes to take things like tolerance and redefine them and today lord it's getting more and more interesting as our executive director said because we're seeing that there's pushback on people that have assumed that we're a christian nation whereas now they are no longer grabbing onto judeo-christian values and now we actually have to stand up and go how are we going to live when the world wants to squeeze us into its mold. But we would rather be molded by our Heavenly Father. So he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. In the name of Jesus, Amen. You got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. We'll, we'll show it on the overhead, I think, behind me too. First version we're looking at is a ESV or something like that. And the next one is the message. The message was written more as a commentating Uh, easy to grasp um, translation, but I think today it's pretty important because he says some neat stuff. So the first one, starting in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either so just stop there for a second and the one who smacks you on the cheek I was going to actually invite um, Pastor Josiah up here I said let's, let's illustrate this come on up here and I'll slap you and then turn the, and I'll slap you again and also we'll slap each other and sermon's over be awesome but this is also not just a slap like ow that hurts it's more of a backhand like you fool like you're, you're shamed you're an idiot you know so it's just like they're shaming you making you feel small it's very contemptuous So they're making you feel small and worthless. That's what we're talking about here. So if somebody does that saying, what, you're a Christian? Well, turn the other cheek, take one for me. And this, you guys, we're talking about Beatitudes for folks. So you can't just grab this and take all of a sudden this and say, this is about, should we go to war or world peace or whatever. But as, as, uh, as individuals within the church as the body of Christ... Think about how we can actually respond the way he's saying in the what Wearsby calls, not just the Beatitudes, but the be-attitudes. These are the attitudes that we need to be and withhold. Um, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So basically saying there, if somebody just rips off your outer coat, well, give them your inner coat too. And even if you were the poorest of the poor, this was not Okay. Because even the poorest of the poor had to have some kind of covering. And here Jesus is saying, if somebody demands and takes your outer coat, well, give them your inner coat too. Mess with their heads. Mess with their hearts. They demand this, well, give them more. We're like, what? Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Look at that last verse there, the second last verse. It is so meddling. He says, love your enemies, do good, lend, expect nothing in return, reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Who's he talking about there? You guys. Oh yeah, me too. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Corinthians, I think it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 or something like that, talks about that too, is that it lists a whole bunch of these evil sins that you can look at the list and go, I can't believe it, no, this is horrible. And then he's, Paul says, and such were some of So here, Jesus is messing with us big time because he's talking about what Jesus did and the reward is great because he was really kind to the ungrateful and to the evil, which would be guys like me. And now he's saying, because I did it for you, now you go and do the same for other people. This is terribly meddling we would love to think that the evil acts of the shooters this last week or the terrorism that goes around we so badly want to hate those people you think Jesus wants us to hate those people he's not giving a check mark to their actions but he wants us to love people and they too are created in the image of God even though they must be off track and messed up but such were some of us. The message goes on to say To you who are ready for the truth, I say this Love your enemies, let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When somebody gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Oh, man. I noticed that's really bright because I not only changed the font, I highlighted that. Respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Uh, Pastor Joe and myself, we went to this conference and one of the things that we sometimes get uh, wrapped up in is when people offend you and hurt you and uh, uh, you can't stand them. Even in my run sometimes, I'm running and then all of a sudden I realize that I've been stewing over somebody and they've driven me crazy for the last 20 minutes. I'm going like, wow, how is that a pressure release when I'm taking a run? It's supposed to do that, but by the time I get back, I'm ready to kick the dog. No, I don't, but, you know. So one of the things that this one author that we went to see is exactly what's happening here, is if somebody has really offended you, instead of thinking about all the things that you'd like to bring them to the people's court and all that stuff, you can actually, instead of calling curses on them, which often we're thinking negative, 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 we can actually start, Lord, I've been really hurt but I pray that they would have a fantastic day. I pray that you would open their eyes to what you have for them today. I pray that you would bless their relationships. That's so hard to do, but it'll be incredible because the Lord is changing you. It's kind of like when you don't forgive people, it's like drinking poison and hoping that they die. It doesn't make any sense. If somebody slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If somebody grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make it a present. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat. Live generously. Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind, so you too, be kind. And before I forget, that last verse here was pretty cool. Our Father is kind, so you be kind. In in, uh, the other scripture verse, we said, it says, but love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return and you will be sons of the Most High. We have to be careful with that wording because if you go, if you do this, 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 then I'll be a son of God. That's not what it's saying there. What it is saying is, do this, 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 and this to show that you are a son of God. So that's really important because some of us start to think, oh, excellent, this is religion now again. It's not religion, this is a relationship. And we're not about just the little pieces of what we can get with Jesus. In fact, I had a guy show up a number of years ago and he gave me money. And I said, what's this for? I don't know, but i tell you, years ago when I gave money to the church, my life was going good. So now I'm going to give money to the church because I need my life to go good again. So he's got a principle, but it's a little bit whacked out in the way that you can't buy good, you know, oh, whatever. That's another sermon. But here it's really important that he's saying, because you are a son of God, men and women, you will do this to show the world what a son of God or daughter looks like. This is what a son or daughter smells like. This is what they do. This is how they respond. This is how they react. So he's calling, and you've got to remember this whole situation here. He's called them down from the mountain to this plateau or to the plain, and they, there they are, and he's like the good shepherd to us sheep, and he's giving us this yummy, yummy, incredible, nutritious grass and beautiful streams to drink out of, and he's pretty much telling us how to live Life And he's saying, these are kingdom principles, heavenly kingdom principles that we can live now. So yes, we're living them now, and we're going to see benefits now and in the future. It's both. So that's why sometimes when you do things as a Christian, it makes no sense. And people are going, who are you? What are you about? This makes no sense. Why are you giving me this? It doesn't make sense on this world. It doesn't make sense here. One commentator said... This is our starting point for listening to the gospel. Jesus is looking at us in love. To listen to the word is actually to look upon the face of Jesus Christ and to have a personal encounter with Jesus. Place yourself in the multitude that we're talking about here. He was surrounded by a multitude and also the disciples. Now think about it. Here he's preaching this. He's love your enemies and stuff. And he's standing there and people are gazing into the eyes of Jesus Christ. And he's about to be beaten, tortured, humiliated, and crucified. And do you think maybe these words were going around in their craniums when all of a sudden he was brought to an abrupt end on the cross? Love your enemies. Do good. If somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. So they're actually hearing Jesus and seeing his compassion and then they actually witness him practicing what he preaches. Experience his compassion. Understand his authority as the word made flesh. This isn't any teaching but the loving instruction of a loving God who comes from heaven. My friends, the book of John says and the word with a cap, capital W And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. So what we're saying here is God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ put on skin, became a human. And he walked among us. And the word became flesh. So the word tented among us is the word, tabernacled among us. So Jesus came here and he came here for a while. He never, he always knew he wouldn't be here for a long, long time. But he tabernacled among us. The word became flesh. Why is this so important to me? why I want to point this out today is I've met some folks just lately that says, Oh yes, we're new Testament Christians or somebody else told me lately that, uh, I believe in Paul because scripture says that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So I don't know why people keep going back to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And I'm scratching my head going, what? We just heard that the word became flesh. So don't give me that garbage of, I don't like this. In fact, some people don't like Paul because Paul says stuff that's really annoying. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And sometimes going, ah, how do I interpret this? But the word became flesh. So the Holy Bible, you guys, is really important. Even in the Old Testament, sometimes you're going, how do I even interpret this or say it nicely to my kids? Because this is gross. There's some nasty stuff in the Old Testament. But you guys, he did not abolish the Old Testament, but Jesus Christ was the fulfillment The embodiment of the whole thing. So when he says something like, do not kill or do not look lustfully upon a woman or do not commit adultery, sorry, do not commit adultery, Jesus comes and says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I'm telling you, don't even do triple takes. Don't think about having sex with another woman. And here in the Old Testament, it was don't commit adultery. Well, that was pretty easy. But what? I can't even think nasty thoughts about a lady that crosses by. Why? Because he's going for the heart. Jesus is up in the ante. So if we actually talk about, I'm just a New Testament Christian, or I'm just a Paul, or I'm just a, that's a bunch of bunk. Here, they are looking into the eyes of the Word. The Word of God made flesh, dwelling among us. They're looking into the eyes of the Word, Jesus Christ. So it's the full meal deal, you guys. You just can't go to McDonald's, get a full meal deal, and say, oh, I'll just have the burger. Maybe, no, I don't want the burger. No, no, no. We're talking the burger, Cheeseburger we're talking the fries, we're talking the root beer, we're talking the yogurt stick, and we're talking a toy to play with afterwards. It's the full meal deal when it comes to Sermon on the plane, And I think this is what really cheeses me off, and I've done it too, is that many of us, we have this decaf Christianity, and the world has only seen us play with our little McDonald's toy, or we only eat the yogurt, or only this and that, and we're not full meal deal Christians. And I know it's not going to happen overnight, but if we make excuses or we only grab little pieces of Jesus, no kidding, sometimes the world just goes, spits us out of their mouth because it doesn't look good, doesn't feel good. And I I sit down with some folks and I go, what are you talking about? And somehow we've messed up what it means to be a Christian or an evangelical. And that's why I keep saying, we got to be disciples, disciples of Christ we have to be mentored we've got to sit on this plane this plateau and look in the eyes of Jesus Christ and stop looking in the mirror it's about Jesus not about you we need to get to know the author of the beatitudes and this is important too cuz the last verse says be kind as god is kind as your father is kind so he's not just wanting you to look at these principles He actually wants these principles to happen in you, these attitudes to happen in you, not because you're staring at the attitudes, but that you're actually spending time with your father. As you spend time, you ever notice that some people, even sometimes your pet kind of starts to look like you because you hang out so much together (laughs) or the other way around. Um, But it's interesting, you know, so as we spend time with our father or with Jesus, we actually start to become like him. Isn't that interesting? If you've been married a long time, you guys you can sit there in silence and finish each other's sentences because you become so alike one another. Sometimes, I'll throw that in there to save you guys. We established a couple weeks ago, and I got to keep coming back to this: that Jesus' disciples they came to meet him on the mount or on the plane. And these are the four things that our beginning verses showed us. They came to be near Jesus. They just wanted to be near Jesus. And then they wanted to listen. And we've established that we often don't like to listen in our prayer times. We want to tell, we want to come with a shopping list of what we need from Jesus and then hit the road. And we go, why oh, didn't you answer my prayers? You know, just like we got to come ready to hear what Jesus wants to say to us. So that means sometimes you got to zip it. And I mean all ages. Young people, to the older generation, zip it and listen to what Jesus has for us. You're spending time in his word. You're staring into the eyes of Jesus Christ and Lord, I want to meet you. And sometimes, I'm sorry, but he doesn't always listen to your three-minute parameter. Sometimes it might take a little longer. But gazing into the eyes of Jesus, gazing into the eyes of the word of God, he wants you to listen to him. So be near to him, listen to him. Thirdly, they came to be healed by Jesus. Doesn't that sound good? They came to be healed by Jesus. So some people were coming, they had ailments, some shriveled hands, uh, some had been born with ailments, and people were coming, and it says that the power was just oozing out of him. Some people just wanted to get close enough to touch him. So this was an exciting time. And then lastly, what it says, the comment is saying that not only did they come to be healed of him, but others came Others came to be delivered by Jesus. They've had an addiction or they've had, I don't know, a demonic power or something's been going on that they just can't let go of bitterness or anger or they can't get rid of pornography or whatever and they've come and, God, I need to be delivered. And they come into the presence of Jesus Christ and they're delivered by Jesus Christ. Pretty exciting. Wright says this, the kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious uproarious absurd generosity not so mind-blowing he's pretty much saying this is crazy think of the best thing that you can do for the absolute worst person now go and do it so just imagine for a second just a second who can't who you can't stand now think of the best thing you could do with them i'm gonna do it for them Think of what you'd really like someone to do for you and then do it for them. Uh, Think of the people who you're tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. These instructions have a a fresh spring-like quality. This is what Wright says. They are all about new life bursting out energetically like flowers growing through concrete and startling everyone with their color and vigor. Have you ever done that? Gone for a walk and it's just a humdrum cement or you're driving along and all you see is rock and all of a sudden, what? And you see incredible, vibrant flowers coming from a place where they should not be and you stop and gasp. That's what he's saying. If we actually adopt these beatitudes, we're spending time with the heavenly father and now his attitudes rub off on us and we're walking along in a stingy cement, humdrum world and all of a sudden, Whoa, that was cool. Did you smell that? Did you see that vibrancy? Why in the world would that guy give so generously? Why in the world would he leave White Rock and become part of a missions trip to help people that that can never pay him back? Why in the world do we go to Wally and serve people when they'll never be able to pay us back? The point was to inculcate and illustrate an attitude out of the heart, right, says, a lightness of spirit in the face of all that the world can throw at us. And at the center of it is this thing that motivates and gives color to the whole. You are to be like this because that's what God is like. You are supposed to be vibrant flowers growing out of cement. You are supposed to be like that Carrillo guy who all you're going to remember, hopefully not, is these killers that came onto the campus. But more than that, hopefully you see and smell Carrillo who gave his life to save so many other students. So it's a total change in perspective, a total change in attitude. I love it. And the words that he's using here, so he's saying, go and do it, be generous and all this, love one another. He's using words, you guys, and all of these action words are imperatives. Does imperatives go like, oh, it sure would be nice if you loved each other. What does imperative mean? Anyone? What? Do it. Do it. Do it. So he uses imperatives, and he uses a uh, present active imperative. So the imperative, that's the mood that normally expresses a command, intention, exhortation, or a very polite request. The imperative mood is therefore not an expression of reality, but possibility and volition. Volition being your will. I will do this. I can't stand this guy, but I'm going to love this person. And then the active part of it is the grammatical voice that signifies that the subject is performing the verbal action or is in the state described by the verb. So you are actively, imperatively, so you are loving this person, present. It's not like, oh, it was really nice because our ancestors did this. No, this is going on right now, and I will be a part of these Beatitudes. I will be a Christ one. I will be a disciple, and I will love people, even though I can't stand them sometimes. Or because they've hurt my feelings, or they were so rude. I will love them. And now let's get into the, the meat of this. So one more hour. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. He calls us to love, the imperative to love. Love with no strings attached. So, we're talking about a, a form of the verb, or of the word agape. So, while you were still sinners, or while you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for you. This is mind blowing. You've got to get it, because if you don't get this, then you don't get the other stuff. So, if you realize that Jesus wasn't looking through this picture album, oh, there's Josiah. He's so nice. I like his hair too. You know what? I'm going to die for him. He's got so much to offer. Oh, he's so nice. You know? That's not what happens, that's not what happens at all. While we were yet sinners, while we were still shaking our fists, while you're still stingy, while you're still a jerk to other people, you might be shaking your fists at Jesus, you might be turning your back on him, you might be f- full of doubt, you might be one of those skeptics, you might call yourself an atheist. In that state, fact is Jesus Christ still died for you and he still loves you and he wants you, he wants a relationship with you. So maybe stop kicking against the goads. What's a goad? I have no idea. But just stop fighting Jesus on it because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. Agape. So it's a, he's calling us to love just as Christ loved us. Christ's love pursued us. And he's actually calling us not to respond necessarily, but that we actually pursue people to love. We love them before they first love us because it's been done for us. So, we're talking your enemies, we're talking jerks, people that cut you off, people that you know you've been waiting in line forever at Costco, and also somebody shoves in with this cart that's like this. It's like, what are you doing? Horrible people. He wants us to love them. These are folks you cannot repay. He wants us to love them. These are folks who will not repay. They might have so much money and you have hardly anything. You do something cool for them and they're so stingy they don't care at all. Love them. A slap on the cheek. Really one of dishonor and disrespect. Should we expect anything or any other reaction when they actually act that out against our loving Savior with torture and with crucifixion? So not just loving the sinner and hating the sin. You've heard that before, right? I grew up with that. You've got to love the sinner but hate the sin. You ever heard that? Yeah. Um, this one commentator, and I like what he says, Bach. He says this. That's not enough here. Not just loving the sinner and hating the sin, but following through and showing concrete examples of love to the sinner. So he takes it a little bit further. He's meddling with us now. So not just about uh, love the person, can't stand the sin because we can still stand back and go. Oh, I love them from a distance. He's actually calling us to pursue people, to love on people, even though we might hate their ideologies or what they've done, what they stand for. But we're to love them. Doesn't mean you have to get mishy mashy and all of a sudden leave behind all of your values and all that you think is true. But I tell you something too: is even when Jesus came, he came with he was full of grace and full of truth full of truth and full of okay so when he was really truth then all of a sudden did the, the, did the grace meter go way down and then oh he was really graceful so truth has to come down no he was full of grace and full of truth so we're called to do the same live lives of truth but very graciously full of grace and that's hard to do sometimes our love is different than what the world loves our scorecard is different Many of us pursue Christ and his kingdom in certain realms, but struggle expressing ourselves in the kingdom of this world's terms. So what I mean is that I let Jesus mess with my world, so therefore I live kingdom principles here, but when it comes to my money or when it comes to me feeling disrespected, then I go back to the world. And I say, how dare you disrespect me. And I'll take you to the courts, I'll do whatever I can, but do never do that to me again. And here he's saying, I want all of you, the full meal deal. I want the full meal deal. Um, reminds me of, uh, I grew up with this fantastic saying. You, you're going to want to learn it. Ek vel zaya oba. Remember that one? Ek vel zaya oba. It means, I don't want to say anything, but. It's fantastic. It's a great way to run a prayer meeting. You know, you you heard something about David here. You know, ek, in the prayer meeting, here, nos zaya, I don't want to say anything about David, <laughs> but, and it's a great way to pray for people because it gives you a license to gossip just a little bit. And here, it seems as though, um, ekvel nos zaya oba is, I don't want to gossip, but, or how many of you, I've actually heard you say this, I don't want to complain, but, and then I'm, Held captive for 10, 15 minutes. (laughs) I was in Starbucks lineup the other day, you guys, and it was just so odd. I was ordering this uh, doppio espresso, blonde, and this lady beside me, uh, I said something, and she goes, Life is awesome. And usually I do that kind of thing, but she did it. So now I'm like, Huh? And Uh, I just said, yeah, it is good. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Like, it's. I mean, life is, all of life is good. People run away from sadness or whatever, but life is good, everything about it. I was just like, wow. I want to put her in my back pocket. She was just like amazing, right? But how many of us would disagree with her because life is fabulous when I get the way I want it? Life is fabulous when I'm healthy, when I got lots of money in the bank, when my kids are listening to me, when my wife is doting on me, then life is fabulous. And here this woman, I was just like, what? She was a walking, talking beatitude, I think. So what would happen if sometimes we would embrace the obstacles of life and like Wearsby says, the bumps are what you climb on. The obstacles are what you climb on. So every time, because we live in this health-soaked world of, new, uh, of uh, Canada and White Rock, we always think of obstacles or bad things or illness. That's always evil. Like, that's in the realm of evil, you know? And it's just like, wait a second. Like, I hate that stuff too, you guys. I hate to see pain and, and uh, I, oh, there's so many things about it that drive me crazy. But what if, what if sometimes we're actually called to embrace it? Uh, yeah that's a whole new s- sermon but what if we're actually called to sometimes embrace the very thing that we hate with a passion and it actually becomes part of us and maybe may- just maybe I don't know maybe that's part of the divine file that the Lord is just taking off the burrs and doing something in us creating a character within us so that no longer do we have to what is the beatitude here I can't stand Dale but uh instead actually because he's I've spent so much time with the Father and he's taken off all the burrs now maybe Dale can offend me and it's my nature because my nature now is much more kingdom minded that even when he hurts my feelings I can actually respond because I've spent so much time with my father who has responded like that to me wouldn't that be cool if it came more like our nature to respond like the Beatitudes here last week I gotta say it and you're gonna hear it so many more times but I gave the illustration by uh, Norman Grubb, and he talks about our Christian discipleship being like a roof and walls. Many of us open our roof, and we have this great relationship with Jesus. Imagine this roof right here—we crack it open. Oh, I love you, Jesus. You're fantastic. And I'll see you put your. Eye, oh, but your people have gotta go, you know. And Grubb talks about this vertical and horizontal relationship where you gotta open it up, and now you're spending time with Christ. And he's influencing you, or you're becoming like your father. And also now he's calling you to pull down your walls. And also, you look over the wall, and there's some people there you have not liked for many years. Maybe even people groups. Maybe you struggle with prejudice. I don't know. But he's calling you to pull down the walls. And because of your relationship with him, he's calling us to not keep those walls up. You cannot. In fact, some of us would like, I know, I have a great idea. What I'm going to do is I am going to evangelize the world, and I'm going to throw a gospel tract over the wall, and hopefully somebody stumbles across it and gets saved in the name of Jesus. We would love to do that. We'd love to stay in this building and throw over gospel tracts. That's not so. We're called to community. We are called to be the church, the church is a body and we have to get out there, and we got to bring down our walls, and this relationship, ongoing everyday relationship of repentance, the ongoing relationship of revival that we have with Jesus Christ, will spill out into our work week, will spill out into our schools, will spill out into our marriages, will spill out into our friendships. So you got to keep those walls down, and that also means that we keep short accounts with Jesus, and it might even mean you keep short accounts with the people around you. You might have blown up at somebody at work, And how amazing would it be, even if you're a, you know, big shooter at work, you just go, you know, Elaine, the other day, uh, I know you you, kind of messed up that one report, but I overreacted, and I just want to apologize for that. What would happen in the lunchroom? Would they say, oh, so weak, what a horrible CEO, or would that be like, wow, that was really cool? but we always think strength is something different than often the meekness that scripture talks about power under control the Beatitudes connect very beautifully I think what Romans 12 1 and 2 says Romans 12 1 and 2 says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind so the Holy Spirit tells us not to be conformed and we're born into conformity. Remember? We're born into pollution. We're born into a sinful world. So it's very easy for us to do whatever the world tells us to do. So it's my rights and my expectations. It's constant complaining because our expectations of life are not being met. It's selfish pursuit pursuit of of success, or it's all about me attitude. Pride instead of humility. Self-defensiveness. Oh, this one's, this was, this meddling with me self-defensiveness instead of repentance. Or what Eugene's translation said, let your enemies bring out the best in you. And I'd throw that your, your enemies don't always have to be a person. Sometimes your enemy is your own thought life. Sometimes your enemy is your upbringing. Sometimes your enemy is an addiction. I don't know. This love cannot be reduced merely to the golden rule, is what Bach says. It is love that is golden even when everything around is not golden. Even when everything around is not golden. It's interesting because these principles that treating each other the way we want to be treated and assuming that we want the very best spiritually for ourselves and we must imitate our Father in heaven... Uh, one guy goes on to say that the important thing is not that we are vindicated before our enemies, but that we become more like God in our character. So first of all, he wants us to uh, grow in love. He's calling us to love our enemies and to just love. Secondly, he's calling us to generosity. So he's saying, if somebody asks you for your cloak, give him your tunic too. If somebody's asking for that sweet bomber jacket or that, Um, that uh, Canadian tuxedo, you know what I'm saying, that that, uh, jean jacket, and you take it off, you know what? Give him your sweet shirt too. Now there's a principle here, which I got to read here because it's pretty funny. Uh, Marshall says, he points out that some of these illustrations are somewhat figurative, since to follow Luke 6 verse 29 literally would lead to nudism. (laughs) We don't want that now, do we? So if we always give all of our stuff this would be an awkward place to come on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Throw that out there. But he says, give to anyone that asks. So there's this principle here that we're actually known for, to be generous people. And you know what's so bad is church people are known not to be generous. I'm not saying that you don't give at church. But when you go to White Spot afterwards, you take out your change purse. You've just spent 60, 70 bucks. And you, one quarter, two quarter, three quarter. All right. Thank you so much. And here's a tract what you know don't do that if you're going to be stingy and greedy don't leave some kind of God don't let them know that you're a Christian because that's the worst so if you can afford to go out for supper or dinner you can afford to leave a tip and all the servers said yeah all right." so it's really important that we are actually known uh, in church you know we take up offering and uh, you hear me say it all the time help us to be generous because it's a reflection of our generous father it's true and it's hard to give sometimes, you guys. You know, your kiddos will watch you write a check, and they're going like, what? what, you, what the, all the things, the PS4, all the things, you know, not my money. It's Jesus' money. And it's cool because all the things we can do together collaboratively when we give generously, what would the Lord want to do through White Rock Community Church in the years to come? And that's why what's you know, a bee in our bonnet right now is we can sit here very nice and comfortably, most of us, Because we'll die at some point here and then this whole building will crumble. eh. But we're thinking, how about our kiddos? How about the future of White Rock? And there's, in fact, even in White Rock, uh, like the proper White Rock, how many gospel-sharing churches are here? Not a whole lot. So it's really important that we start thinking ahead and thinking, what does the Lord want with his church here? And that will include Generosity. Live out this God-created identity the way that our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, Eugene says. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. So you too, be kind. Uh, I'll pull, pull back down in here a bit. You remember that course, Boundaries? There's a fantastic course called Boundaries. I took it, it, was I really needed to take it, but I struggled after that because I grew up a little bit thinking that all Christians have to be... Uh, you know, roll over and scratch the belly of a doormat. I took that and all of a sudden, no boundaries, no who I am. and who. Uh, I, have, I found it really hard after that to either be a doormat or to stand up for all my rights. Like, back off, don't you dare disrespect me. So in there somewhere is to learn discernment and discernment will come when you spend time with who? Yeah. Yeah. There are times where we're called to stand up Especially for people that are being treated unjustly. stand up for what is right. But here it's interesting because if it's just your pride that's been hurt, maybe it's time to zip it and just show, you know what? I get my identity from Christ. I don't need you to like me. Generosity. giving lavishly like God has given lavishly to us. So you're not comparing yourself to the world and asking yourself how they would respond. But you're getting to know the character of God and learning to respond out of your heavenly kingdom identity. Your identity in Christ. Are you known to be generous with your money? Are you known to be generous with your time? And here's one. Are you known to be generous with your compliments? uh, even at home you guys I I keep nailing to my kiddos this needs to be a safe place I mean we get beat up all over the place when we come home I want you guys to be kind to one another I want you guys to think of how you can compliment each other and even this morning we heard it because little uh, Brielle comes up with this it was so funny so two round things with squiggles she's four right so these squiggles and uh, happy mother's Day, mom you know and you're looking at these two heads and uh, she says this one's me and the one with the fat head is you. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> but you know what? Little Mateo, who's just turning seven, just said, that's a nice drawing, Brielle." And i just like, ah, oh, that's exactly what I'm after. That, believe me, that's a moment in the Dirksen household. It's usually not like that. But got those are the only ones I preach on. But think about that too, is if people actually like hiring Christians, because they're not greedy, because they're kind to the people that they work with, and they actually are good at even complimenting perhaps the CEO and stuff. I went out of my way, just to show you a little bit, but I went out of my way because I coach right now with a, with a soccer coach who's fabulous. And I just thought, I can either just zip it, or I can catch him doing something stupid and then let him know, or I can just go, you know what, this guy's fabulous. So I just took out my, my uh, whatever you call that thing, IPhone and I started uh, texting him just saying how much I appreciate him and, and some of the cool things I see about him. And now it's just gone on. That's pretty cool texting back and forth. But it's an aroma. It's like, I notice, I'm going to say something. Maybe we need to do that at restaurants. Maybe we need to do that on Yelp. When we get excellent service and all that stuff, uh, maybe we need to be outstanding in the way that we stick up for stuff and, and actually compliment people and leave tips and all that other stuff. It's an aroma of Christ. So he wants us to just spill out in love, love that people don't deserve because we don't deserve it. He wants us to be generous, lavish out on people, and he also wants us to take the initiative. This one's really hard. So he wants you to do unto others the st- stuff that you would like done to you, but he actually wants you to do it with initiative right off the bat. This is so hard, this one, because I want to love you if you love me first. Or you say sorry first, and then I'll say sorry. You be nice, then I'll be nice. Right? Transactions. I'm pretty good at transactions. You be nice, I'll probably be nice to you. But if you're a jerk, ooh, I find it really hard to be nice to you. And Beatitudes are really about initiation and setting the standard. Boy, this sounds like a good recipe for marriage, eh? When I actually see people like thinking it's a contract and just saying, I'll give this much. If you give this much, oh, it's not going to work out. We need a divorce. This is whole... Beatitudes is beautiful for marriage taking the initiative even if your spouse is being unreasonable is not properly communicating their expectations and stuff you just go and you give lavishly like Christ has given to you and I wonder how it's going to transform your marriage I wonder how that would transform your friendships your relationship with your kid your relationship at work how easy it is to be nice to others when they're nice to us, but how hard is it when Jesus is calling us, be kind, generous, and take the initiative even when they are not kind to you. Be ready. This whole initiative seems to have this, seems to smack of this, of these spices of be ready. You know, like to be ready to share the hope that I have within you kind of thing. Or Herbert Peeler, the guy that took over from uh, Miller. So Miller is the Bible calls that uh, Josiah and I went to. And the, when he died, Peeler took over, Herbert Peeler. And Her- Herbert Peer- Peeler always said, be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. Preach, pray, or die. Right. Be ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. And here I'd like to add, if I can, Mr. Peeler, sorry. But I'd like to add, be ready to preach, pray, die, give, or love at a moment's notice. You can't always be ready. As in, you put on your stuff and now I'm going to night shift and I'm going to be nice to our street friends. And meanwhile, throughout the week, they, you're tripping over them. You can't stand that they're in your neighborhood. You don't like them. But on one month uh, or one Saturday of the month, I am kind to them. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having attitudes of love, generosity, of initiative all the time, which is hard but it comes because we're becoming more like Christ. We're becoming more like our Heavenly Father. Don't always wait to respond. We gotta get moving. We gotta be kind. We gotta love. We gotta be generous first. Set the standard because you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like because Christ set the standard. And the last thing, wrap up here, verse 35, the last verse, 35, is we do so with no expectations. So you give, you love, you compliment, expecting nothing in return. And that's hard to do. I would much rather give to somebody that says thank you than somebody that just grabs it abruptly and takes off. I'm going, No expectations. Verse 35 and 36, I'll read it again. But love your enemies and do good. Love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. He's commanding us to love, to be generous, to serve one another, all that stuff, with no expectation, with no strings attached. With no strings attached. And then He says, we will be blessed. Blessed is often uh, um, defined as happy but there's also this, this thought of you will be blessed in the way that you will sense the Lord's pleasure. You will sense the Lord's pleasure that you are walking in the character that he has called you to walk in. A state of being, of knowing that you are his. You have spent time in his presence and now you're actually walking out what he's calling us to do and how he's calling us to walk. So, you guys might be the only Bible another person ever reads. So because you've looked Jesus in the eye, because you're spending time in the word of God and you're letting it influence you because you've come to be near Jesus, you've come to hear from Jesus, you've come to be healed and you've come to be delivered. And now when folks are hanging out with you, they get a taste of that. And there might even be an opportunity for you to share your faith verbally, but at least you get to share it physically in the who you are, in your character. Now, what would happen, and I'll, I'm going to finish with this, I'm going to have the uh, uh, Pastor Joe come on up here along with the worship team, but what would happen if we loved with no strings attached? What would happen if we are known for our generosity of money, time, and compliments? What would happen if we're known to take initiative? We are the first people on the front lines of disaster, of things going on, of fire in the community, of people losing everything, of people perhaps that have been diagnosed with something, that we're the first people on the line. And what would happen if we actually did all of these three things without ever expecting a pat on the back? What would happen? Father, I thank you for your word this morning and I pray that you'd help us do just that. Help us to love because you've loved us. Help us to be generous, Lord, in our time, in our talents, in our money, and in our compliments. Help us to love each other like that. Help us to be generous. Help us, Lord, to take the initiative. Help us not just to wait to be invited and stuff, but help us, Lord, to actually look for opportunities to love on people. Help us look for opportunities to be generous. And then, Lord, we pray that even though it's our human nature to want a pat on the back, Help us to also do this kind of service without expectation. Just loving people because we have been loved first by the almighty creator, sovereignty of the universe. And that's all we need. So Father, today, I can't help but think of this, is that the scripture we've gone over today often does describe how mamas treat us. Mamas are often good at loving I don't know of more generous people and I know they don't get all the paths on the back that they often deserve. So Lord, maybe we can take a little hint from our moms but we can definitely take a hint from you, Jesus, and I pray that this week you'd help us to exemplify these characteristics because we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.